and one, two, three, four, five. Welcome back to the CMCJ Podcast. We are on episode 59. Ten episodes away from episode 69, which will have to be a celebratory episode what? of some kind. Oh, too excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But yes. So, I don't know what the, uh, I don't know what we're talking about today. Kaiser's kept it a secret. Yeah, it's, it's nothing too interesting, not like current events, just like kind of a general philosophical topic. I don't know. Oh so I, I was, the other day I was, um, I can't remember what I was playing. I was playing some, some game that didn't require my attention too much. Um, and I was rewatching an old episode of Peaky Blinders, um, mm. specifically the episode where the wedding happens, like where, you know, the, they're at the biggest state, there's the cavalry and the, the blinders yeah. kind of have a little bit of tension there. And not necessarily that episode or what happens there is what I want to talk about. It's, it's more the idea of just like, um, how like ritual and like and festival sort of events have like almost like a magical quality like they they're like just these self-contained i was trying to articulate a feeling i had like when watching it because i've always really enjoyed going to weddings um there's always it's not a happy event but there's always some sort of what? No, no, no. I'm, I'm. There's a list. Weddings. I just said. Now I'm moving on to number two on the list. Oh right. And, um, Sorry. I thought you were saying weddings weren't a happy event. No, no. Weddings like, are. <laughs> weddings are a happy event. But you then know, on on when the a man op- is getting tied down to a single. <laughs> on the opposite side of that, I was going to talk. I was going to say funerals. Um, right. And yeah. th- while they're not happy events, I feel like the the ritual that goes along with them. You know family comes back together to you know remember the life of a person who passed and then it but the, the ritual that goes along with it i feel like gives some degree of closure i i, I want to use the word satisfaction but that's not quite the right word events are all about forming or maintaining bonds with yeah. people really whether it's with the living or the dead yeah and then same thing to a lesser extent can be applied to like birthdays like festivals like fairs that sort of hmm. thing. Like, and th- when you're talking about, like, festivals and fairs, you're talking about, like, you know, beyond family now, you're talking about a community. Like, it's it's a shared bonding thing with the whole community instead of just with family and friends. Yeah. And, you know, birthdays, obviously, that's family and Maybe friends. Maybe in America so. it is. What? what Festivals and fairs? Over here, you, you are with your group and you stay with you. No, I don't know. I don't agree <laughs> enough of them. Um, I, I think it depends on the region you're from, too. Um, like definitely in more rural areas, it's probably they probably are a much more tight knit event, like going to a fair or a festival. Right. Well, I don't know. You have a lot more fairs in rural areas. Um, I, I guess yeah. it's it's more tight knit, but in a village sense, because there's less people around you, so you get to know more percentage of the people in the area. So I guess everyone kind of knows someone at a, a village fair, mm. whereas if it was in a city. You're not going to see anyone that you know. Yeah. I was or, actually talking to my... Go, go on. on. I, was gonna, I was talking to my brother earlier, and it was like... We were talking about... I think it was Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And it's apparently the... Like, the the most people in one city on the planet. Or something. Yeah. yeah I've heard that before. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just crazy, because it's like... Not China, or, you know, Russia, or New York. Yeah, it, it's... A thing about space because like um 
even like you know seeing how houses are how close houses are together even in rural areas in the uk like you compare that to the u.s it's it's an island versus having like the better part of a continent so even in like like the area that that i saw the area that i picked you up from that time when raymond and i were in in the uk that Mm. would be like a very densely packed suburb in the u.s um like very close to a city but well another interesting fact that came up was that like the amount of people in that one city is equal to half the population of the UK. Yeah. Yeah, it's, Tokyo it's basically has become, like, it's cities within cities within cities because they have, like, dozens of different, like, school districts. They have, like, basically... It, it's essentially... It's grown up and it's all part of Tokyo. But within Tokyo now, you've got, like, these mini mini cities that are their own administrative district and because like you it's the whole city is the size of a country in terms of population density or in terms of population period yeah but so the the actual like that that's more specific than i was thinking about with this topic but i just like i was trying to articulate this 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 point like why like why they 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 just they give us such a good and I, i think I keep wanting to use the word satisfaction, but that's not that's not quite the right word. Um, but I think it's just it's a very inbuilt part of like the human psyche to like want these types of rituals and these types of punctuating events and this type yeah. of like. I just I don't know why I'm it's having a reason to do something. Yeah, but I you feel it... obligated to do it because everyone is obligated to do. It. I think it's more than obligation. Um, I think it's actually something that contributes to a very healthy, you know, life and mental outlook. And I agree. Um, But in the same way that, like, uh, attending uh, a friend's birthday is technically Mm. an obligation. You're enjoying being there. You want to be there. But... It's kind of it's an extra reason that where you have to go, you have to make the pain that little bit of effort, and everyone does, and everyone mm. gets and, out better from it. Right? Yeah, and you feel better for having done it. Like, um, yeah, well, going to Juan and Raymond live in the south part of the state, but you know, I try to make an effort uh, if I can. Like, whenever something is going on, like they live relatively close to each other, it's like it's more than an hour drive for me. Um, but I always feel better like after I go down there and hang out with them for a while because it's like. It's like, oh, you know, Juan's kids running around. Raymond's got a dog now. Like, we go outside, hang out in the backyard, just shoot the shit for a while, play pool. It feels good to have that human contact. Um, mm. And I think more than anything, maybe that's why this this scene in particular was um, more poignant to me. Because so many people are either voluntarily or involuntarily isolated now. Yeah. And I think... At least for me, I'm starting to see and appreciate well, those those bits of community and ritual a little bit more, or see them yeah. see it as more of a prized thing, something to be. Sought. Unfortunately, COVID's kind of on the way out now. It seems. Um, yeah. But I'm so I, hopefully that won't be such a thing. It I do yeah the disease is on its way out, but the um, <clears throat> I think the lasting impact from it in terms of people's behavior and psychology, that's mm. gonna be sticking around for a while because if people you've essentially got people into this this fear mindset where they're going to be 
in that it's going to take a long time to like deprogram people out of that that way of thinking and to go from okay you know hide inside stay far away from another human being you know all this other fun stuff like you know fear I mean, the sunshine we kind of do that did that anyway before covid guys <laughs> <laughs> what i mean obviously we like going out and having a nice meal and that kind of thing but generally I don't know. We don't. We don't. We're not the party animal life. I mean, I had um, I had a nice long commute and a job that had me traveling around. So I, just through my profession, yeah. was able to avoid being completely isolated. True. Um, but yeah, no, I just it's something that's been on my mind, and I, I wish I could have articulated it it better. But I I do think that people, I think somehow undervalue these types of things um and I, I you you made a joke earlier and it actually was a point i was trying to think about uh or i was thinking about when when writing down this topic um you made the joke about the the wedding being a celebration of the man being tied down not a happy occasion yeah. and stuff like that and i've always like I, I don't know i've always loved the idea of a wedding and i think you know if i get married like that's something i'm going to really look forward to and enjoy because because of this this whole like concept it's like it's a celebration bring all these friends and family together it's like it's a punctuating event it's like you've you've transitioned from one part of your life to the next part of your life and i think that's yeah. that's something that deserves celebration the same way like a birthday party is you know you're you're celebrating yourself moving on from one year to another <laughs> i mean they sound bad, but I don't really like birthdays. <laughs> I honestly forget mine. Every If I didn't have friends that reminded me or asked me, like, hey, are exactly, you doing anything for yeah. your birthday, I'd forget about it. Yeah, the last terrible. birthday that I think I actually paid attention to was my 21st one. Because in the U.S., at least, it was the last time that something was being held back. Like, because, you know, before you're 16 in my state, you can't drive. So I was paying attention to that birthday. It's like, okay, I can drive now. Yep. And eighteen rolled around. It's like okay, you know, I'm I'm legally an adult now. Like okay, that's 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 something to pay attention to. Then twenty one. It's like okay, I can legally drink now. It's like okay, that's something to pay attention to. But then after that, it's just been you know every other year is just like it's a it's a number ticking up. So who cares? Yeah. So what but, you're saying is you need more. We need like a battle pass <laughs> that, for birthdays. Oh my god. They I. <laughs> Like they're giving you the good stuff too early. They need to spread it out. They need to put like a, a a price on it so that you keep coming back. I've got a actually. I've got a maybe a bit of a controversial opinion um, on something else should be gated by age. I don't think you should be able to vote until you're 25. Right. Okay. Because your brain's still developing until you're 25, and I. Just look. I, I feel like your 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 primary target for this is uni students. <laughs> what? Uni students having uh, grandiose ideas about oh, yeah, how yeah. the way no, the no. world should be. People who uh, maybe it should be uh, based on employment. If you're still in school and you haven't actually held like a normal full time job before, yeah, you shouldn't be able to vote. Right. No, but I. That's why I think is like. Um, because I, I I was thinking the reason that thought came to my mind the other day was because I was reading somewhere that I don't remember what country it was they were trying to lower the voting age to sixteen and I'm like are you a moron have you talked to the average sixteen year old they're fucking idiots yeah I would I I was a fucking idiot when I was sixteen 
They're just, well, I don't know. I don't know if the word idiot is correct. Um, because there are a lot of 16-year-olds who aren't stupid. I, I should I should clarify that. I'm being hyperbolic, but... So, like, I'll use myself as an example when I was, you know, 16. Like, I was an honor student, great, very book smart. I like to think I was a little bit, you know, world-wise. But when I compare myself at 16 to who I was at 21 and who I was at 25 and who I was at 30, like, there's a vast gap. Because you're just now getting... At, at 16, at least from my, my perspective... It's where I've ju- you've just learned enough to start to realize and start to think in a broader perspective outside of your own little bubble. Or at least that's how it was for me. Um, but th- you're not really practiced in doing that. So you're kind of easily influenced by people, experts who want to tell you how to think. You know? Yeah. But typically, at the end of the day, people vote for what's best for them at the time. So, I mean, even... Even the old people are like generally kind of vote for stuff that will benefit them. Not necessarily. Um, and well, even in if, every case, that's what even I if that's generally. even if that's true. Knowing what's best for you is variable. Like, so if um, like you might think that. As a college student, right? I'll use the I'll use the free college for example. You might vote for like you know free college tuition, and like that's going to be good for you. It's you think it's good for you. Ten years yeah. down the line, you're going to be furious because you're going to be paying for a bunch of layabouts that are taking classes about nothing. Exactly, and that's why I think like people vote depending on their age. To, just kind of decides what they will vote. I think more. Um, oh, so you're saying like it balances out, I guess. Yeah, because like every, it's 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 like when you're in school, right? You go into a new school. You're the bottom year, right? Mm. And you know the fucking higher up years, they fucking shit on you. And then when it's your turn to be the higher ups, you shit on the people in the new in the first year. Like you <laughs> smile, but you know this is how it is. I do. Okay. Like this is it's the same thing with voting, in my opinion. But I think in this in this case, it's um. Well, actually, even even in the school case. I think it does serve a positive purpose, that sort of thing. Yeah. Not not when it's like not when it's like outright bullying, like and harassment. I'm talking about like, you know, knowing like that sort of hierarchy serves a purpose. Yes, there's knowing your elders, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, in the in school, you there's a certain level of deference and respect that you should give to like the seniors at the school because they've been there for four years. They've yeah, done the hard work. Scary, that... and they could kick the shit out. Well, of there's you. that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and then you know when you're all that, you just glare at the little ones walking past and watch them scurry away with evil <laughs> malice in your eyes. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I I think that yeah. You know why I was thinking about the voting thing um, as well is I've been rewatching, not rewatching, but uh, reading like a lot more into um, Starship Troopers lore. Right. Because I've read the book and I've seen the original movie. The original movie is very little like the book. Like they get the philosophy basically right, but the plot mm. and everything else is just so wrong. Um, but the the philosophy is is very interesting. It's basically like a. 
I've never read Starship Troopers, so I didn't. <laughs> it, it was essentially written. The guy who wrote it, he was a, he was a prolific sci-fi writer, and he wrote this book like within like two weeks. Um, and it's essentially the the book and the story in it are essentially just a way for him to a vehicle for him to lay out his perfect political world, like his, right. his perfect system of government. Um, and it's essentially yep. like you know a libertarian power fantasy. Okay. Well, not libertarian, more, um, more liberal. And I don't mean liberal in the modern U.S. sense because it's so confusing the labels that people they change constantly. When I say liberal, I'm thinking of like enlightenment kind of per like philosophy. So, you know, the individual sovereignty sort of person. Um, but yeah, so like the way the government is set up, like gir Earth is one, you know, unified government. Um, I think you said girth. What? Earth. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Earth is one unified government. Um, and the, the, the system of government they have is, so it's it's limited voting. So only... This is reminding us of that story, by the way. What story? That we need to get back to. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Okay. Sorry. The, the 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 spider diagram, remember? Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got yeah. we do have to get back to that. This is what that's reminding me of, the whole one <laughs> government thing. I'm just going off on tangent after tangent this morning. It's fine, that's what that's but, what we do. Yeah, so the the way it's set up is limited voting in that only citizens can vote, but everyone has the same rights guaranteed to them. Um, citizens and non citizens. The only difference is that in order to become a citizen and everyone has the right to become a citizen but to do it you have to go through at least two years of fairly grueling like civil service be it in the military be it in, like i don't know a truck driver in some hellscape be it some right. thankless administrative job where you're working 80 hours a week so the and the idea is that at the hey, end why of do that you need a military if it's a single Government because role. they there's alien threats out in the world the oh, universe okay. and so um in the books they go into more detail of the different aliens the alien civilizations that they've encountered mm. but in the movie they only focus the on the breasted woman race the boobies uh um but yeah and the ones at the end of that then you get the right to vote for the rest of your life um but if gotcha. you if you and you can quit at any time during that service if it's too much so it's essentially it's boot camp it's boot camp, but not only military boot camp. Yeah, yeah. yeah it no, basically yeah. they they put you through hell, so at the end of it you come out like really appreciating that a peerless scarred. Essentially, yeah, except not a dickhead. <laughs> they were all dickheads. It, it's a similar premise, but in, in this in this version, instead where the peerless guard kind of lorded it over everyone in the Red Rising trilogy, um, in this not society. All of them. Not all of them, but most of them. Yeah. In this society, people, they, they, the citizens tend to be more, like, chill and laid back. They take it as, like, this austere duty. Like, they're mm. a servant. They're, they're doing this because they have civic virtue. They want that sense of belonging. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a line um, in the movie, and I think this line is also in the book. Like, it's when the main character is still in high school. And um, one of his teachers is, like, asking... Of course, we're talking about Starship Troopers, aren't we? We are, yeah. Right, yeah, I completely forgot. What you're I th that's why when you said aliens, I was, like, mildly surprised. But no, go on. <laughs> yeah, so there's a line when the main character's in high school, and um, 
his teacher asks a question, you know, uh, about why they have that system. Yeah. Um, like, you know, what what is the sovereign franchise? What is citizenship? And like one of the other, one of the kids is like, um, oh, it's it's a reward. You know, what you get for performing federal service for two years. And the teacher's like, no. And I love this line. He's like, no, something given has no value. And I, I just, and it's it's maybe a little bit too too extreme. I think there are gifts that have value, like if they're between people who have. Yes. But if something, I, I think if you if you're talking specifically out from the government, if the government gives you something, it's it's valueless. It's you got it for free, and that's what it's worth in your mind. You have no yeah. affectionate relationship with the government, so it's not going <laughs> to. Um, so it's it's Speak the other. For yourself. I'm very attracted to the. <laughs> oh, the, Boris, he's uh, he's what, he's oh, what gets God. you going. <laughs> Jesus, no. <laughs> I I don't know, but I I think that there's there's something to that. Um, it's the other. There's another line too, and I can't remember who said this. It may have been a Greek philosopher, it may have been somebody else, but um, the that which is held in common is held in least regard. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's why you end up with like public parks that are like really, really shitty, and people's front lawns which are pristine. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. There, there's not always like All right, so gamifying this because that's yeah that's the way that I do things. So when you said that, I was like, well, there are. So obviously, when you when I'm hunting for mounts, yeah, in Final Fantasy. Like, the rarest ones are always going to be the fucking most badass ones, right? Yeah. But actually, a lot of the rarest mounts look kind of fucking shit. Mm. They look shit. But you value them. No. You don't? Because if I saw someone going past on one of these shitty little mounts, you wouldn't. I'd be like, oh, he's got a shitty little mount. See, <laughs> I guess I, if I knew the inherently knew the value behind it when I initially saw it, then I might respect it more, but... Mm. I don't know. Well, that's that's the thing. You're knowing that there is that level of effort to get it adds a little bit of prestige to it too. I think mm-hmm. there is. Um, there's plenty of instances I can remember of this in like other games, like skins that look absolutely shitty, but you know how rare they are. You know, like the effort you went to get them. Like that fucking in CS:GO, that shotgun skin you got me, the, uh, mm. the X one. It's by all accounts kind of an ugly skin. But it was a birthday gift, so I always use that skin. Wait, which one? The the it was like green and purple and black. It was for the XM. Right. I remember getting you a really nice You got me a revolver skin too. I got a really nice pump action skin, I think with a stat track, and you just never use it. So although it looks beautiful, you just never use that shock. Yeah, well because the XM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that was um but I mean that's that's my my point kind of is that like there's this actually ties pretty nicely back in somehow I've come back to my original point like this ties oh. nicely <laughs> into the whole ritual thing like those rituals by all accounts are just like oh, a normal day a normal event just like a gathering but the emotional weight that we attach to them like, yeah. gives them value far beyond the material of what they actually are. And it's the same thing with, like, this whole gifts or, like, working towards something. Like, if I, like, work really hard to get something, 
it has a lot more value than if I just like picked it up off the side of the street or something like that. And the same thing with like the the example of the skin in that game, like it had value because oh, I was like that was a birthday gift. So I had I like it it has more value than if I'd paid like, you know, five bucks for it to buy it off the shop or something like that or And yeah, you see a lot of people who are like reselling birthday gifts and things in real life. Yeah, I think those I people think who are terrible. those are people who are morally degenerate. <laughs> oh dear. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever regifted something, you're a degenerate. That's <laughs> no, no. Regifted a gift. Oh, yeah. I guess regift. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Um, I'm trying to think now if I've ever ever done that. I don't think I have. I I have. Um, I have. Like, on a... <laughs> someone's gotten me stuff in the past, and I've tried it, not enjoyed it, but I haven't sold it. Yeah. When I've I've gotten. Um, gifts before, or given gifts before to somebody who already had them. I think one time, it was either for birthday or Christmas or something, mm. um, I got Juan, like, a, a birthday gift or a Christmas gift or something, and somebody else got him the exact same thing. And so... Right. Do you get, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's kind of different, I guess. That, that's a different circumstance, but I'm saying, yeah, if it's something that it's like because then you just consider one of them to be given by both of those friends, and then it's just it's almost an even nicer thing because mm. they know they both thought the same thing. Yeah, it shows it's a good that, thing that you liked. Well, that, that's like it would be really bad if they both gave you the same gift and you hated it. Yeah, it's like wow, two of my friends don't know anything about me. It's like wow, you both bought me bought me like nuts. I I'm allergic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, there was um, I was rewatching one of the I think it was Iron Man two. Uh, the other day. Right. What's, and what's the villain in that one? I don't know. Oh, it was the Russian dude with the whips. It's unimportant. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, there's a point where he's trying to, like, make up with uh, Piper Potts, his uh, secretary. and Pepper Potts. Pepper Potts, whatever. What do I call her? Piper? Yeah. Um, and he, like, he gets her, like, a gift to, like, you know, uh, as, like, a kind of um, an olive branch. And so he goes into the office and it's a thing of strawberries. And she is, like, kind of awkwardly thinking she's like i'm the one thing i'm allergic to one thing in the world and you know what that is and he's like strawberry see i knew there was a connection there (laughs) (laughs) it's such a good line oh god yeah that's a very forgettable film that was um yeah i yeah the first one was very memorable the second one i remember bits and pieces from the third one took me three years to finish no two years to finish because i watched the first half of it on a plane and then fell asleep and then yeah that's always a bad sign yeah i never well it was it was an overnight flight so it was kind of inevitable that i was gonna fall asleep i guess but um yeah i never watched i never got the chance to see it again until years later when uh, what that could be a topic what we are like very different in this respect where you can fall asleep in front of anything (laughs) Yeah. Whereas I, 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 I'm a lot more able to like control when I fall asleep. And th- yeah. this has become like a thing. This over the years on Discord, Kaiser is one of a few people in the group that can just fall asleep in front of their computer. Yeah, pretty easily. Um, I've I've fallen asleep 
sitting up. I've fallen asleep in an armchair before. This is like... I fell asleep, like, upside down one time in college. <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> there was, um... There was a time... Oh, yeah, we, we went, like, we were camping. I was with Juan Raymond and a few other friends. And, um... There are a limited number of rooms, so Raymond and I got the bunk bedroom. Mm. And I mean, we were just chatting, and the way he describes it is, you know, I, I said something, he said something, I said something, he said something, and then uh, he got no response and just heard... Yeah. It's just like... Yeah, I can, I can... I actually have a harder time falling asleep when it's quiet. Yeah, I mean, if, I, if I'm absolutely blitzed drunk, I have that, been that's known a to... To fall asleep under a table. Yeah, any, um, anyone can fall asleep when they're drunk, but... True. <laughs> that's, um, that's more passing out than falling asleep. Yeah, that's asleep. passing out than falling asleep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but otherwise, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the, the big difference is, what it is different about our psych, psyche that, you know, it makes it easier for some people to... Because some people just fall asleep anywhere. Yeah. And other people need to be in a very specific, recognizable place with a comfy... Yeah, and they, they need exactly. to be laying down, they need to have a sheet, so they need to be on one side, or it, you know, they need to have, I don't know, mm. had a warm cup of milk or something like that before they go to sleep. I don't know, but I've, I've never been... A warm cup of rum. <laughs> I've always been... i found that, in general, I'm typically, like, very in tune with my body. Like, yeah. I, I, I know pretty reliably when I'm going to get sick. So, like, a day or two before it happens, I can go like, I don't feel right. Oh, I'm about to get a cold. And then I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll start to feel under the weather, like, the day after that. And it's the same thing, like, when I'm tired, like, my body's just like, yeah, you need sleep. And if I try to force myself not to sleep, my body says, nope, you're going to sleep. Mm, well, I always... I d I've been over the last few years. I started drinking coffee, and um, I do find that it, it it doesn't. I didn't notice when I'm staying awake longer than normal, hmm. but I do notice the next day. <laughs> like yeah. just my eyes. It's it's my eyes that are really slowing down. If I didn't, frankly, if I didn't have eyes, I'd be able to stay up a lot longer. Because <laughs> the rest of my body just doesn't get tired. At least not at the moment. You, uh, you heard it here first. Blindness, <laughs> it's the cure to fatigue. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, oh god, I'll always remember, there was a, a Darren Shan book. Um, it was the, the City series. And the ruler of the city was this weird genius dude. Mm. And he was always like, I always sleep for exactly, like, four hours or something. Mm. Because that's the optimum amount of time that a human body needs to rest to... To, to work efficiently. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, fuck, I can never do that in four hours. Are you kidding me? There's, so there's some bits to that that are true. So technically, there's a reason that, like, falling asleep, like, if you wake up in the morning and go to sleep for, like, another half hour or something like that, you'll actually feel a little bit more tired when you wake up the second time. Yeah. It's because you're, you, you sleep in REM cycles. So a typical REM cycle for the, again, the average person takes 90 minutes to complete. So yeah. if you don't complete a REM cycle and you just like conk out and wake up again in a half hour, you're going to feel like shit because you essentially woke up in the middle of that. Yeah. Um, Sorry, so, probably a lot of chair noises coming through. I wish I had a better chair. Sorry. 
That's the one thing I, I another good thing about this one. I don't have a creak anymore when I when I lean back in it. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's what I found. I remember. I think it was Da Vinci. It was one of the Renaissance um, thinkers and artists. He, he there was rumors that he would only sleep. He would just sleep in naps. Like, you know, hour and a half, two hour nap here, get up and do some stuff, hour and a half, two hour nap, and it would just be like these short little bursts of sleep. Yeah, um, I quite like doing that, but then at the same time you do get some satisfaction out of a long sleep every so often. Yeah. I find uh, that and my... I do sleep a lot. Sorry. I was just going to say, I do sleep a lot. You sleep a lot less than I do. Yeah, my optimal amount of sleep is about six to seven hours. Yeah, I quite often <laughs> sleep for like ten hours. Oh god! Yeah, if I sleep, <laughs> I've said this before. If I sleep past eight o'clock, I feel like shit, and I very rarely yeah. sleep past eight o'clock. Um, so the like, thing is, I'll I'll wake up and I'll be like, I've got a little bit of energy. But I kind of just want to stay in bed, and I know I'm gonna feel shit when I do eventually get up. But I don't want to stay in bed for a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. it's terrible. This morning, I, um, so last night, I went to bed, I think around 1. I, w I stayed up late, I, well, I, I sent it to you, working on the thumbnail for one of the videos, and then I yeah. edited and rendered the uh, adventure book video that we did yesterday. So, I, I, was, I was staying up, you know, doing stuff, watching stuff on Netflix, and um, before I knew it, it was 1 o'clock, and I was like, oh god, I, I, I gotta get up for the podcast tomorrow, I gotta go to bed. Yeah. And I, I still woke up at, like, 6.30 or 7, um... Although I did definitely feel a little bit more tired than usual. Yeah, but. I think I went to bed at 3.15 last night. Mm. And I woke up at 10 because I set an alarm. And like I said just now, I was kind of, I had a decent amount of energy. Mm. I decided, you know, just a little bit of a nap. So I actually got up at like 11. Okay, yeah. So as well, you know, what's that? Six and a half hours? Uh, three fifteen to eleven. Um, no, seven that's that's seven and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. All right. Anyway, well, we've we've actually we filled up the whole the whole segment with tangents. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've kind of come now to the point where we're just talking about our sleep schedule. So I think this is a good point to end <laughs> the segment. <laughs> All right, this is gonna be, be the end. More of... animated in the next one. Also, I need to get some fucking coffee in me. Holy shit! I'll leave you to wind this down and get a coffee. Okay, this is gonna be the end of segment one of the Team CJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you'll hear oh, us shit, again momentarily for segment two. He forgot to end his recording. I'm back. Welcome back to the TMCJ Podcast. We are on segment two, our media segment, and we did movie night this week. Is this two we in a did. row now? Like, have we done uh, yeah, we're on a roll. God. <laughs> Wait, what, what did we do for my one? Um, Shaun of the Dead. That was it, yep. Shaun of the Dead, and then, uh, actually we may not have done two in a row, but we did one this week, and that's what counts. I think we did do two in a row. We don't even know what we do for this podcast. Um... No, but so this one was actually a, a classic um, movie of mine, one that I watched as a kid and just absolutely fell in love with, like the the aesthetic, the setting, the plot. Like it was just very good. Um, and I actually, it was funny. I was talking to Raymond this week. This is before I even introduced the movie, by the way. Um, I was talking to Raymond this week, 
And he had an urge to watch this exact same movie, completely separate from, like, talking to me, and watched it. Literally, like, within a night of the night we watched it. So, uh, anyway, the, the movie is called uh, Samurai X Trust and Betrayal. Um, and it's actually a movie that was made as a prequel to the anime series um, Roroni Kenshin. Uh, which is a much more light, light-hearted anime, a little bit more goofy, kind of geared towards young teens or middle. Yeah. Teens. So right off of the bat, in this was it Samurai X. Yeah. This is a very dire movie. Um, oh. A lot of depressing themes, but also a strong and most would say good message. Yeah. Um, stemming from it. There's it takes place the setting of this this anime um, movie, and I I should be careful. And I'm, the reason I'm I'm referring it more more as a film than as an anime is because when you think anime, you do think a bit more lighthearted, the big eyes, and you know maybe some goofy gags and stuff. Um, and maybe if it's an action movie, maybe the action's over the top. But this was not like that. It was a very like grounded realistic movie it was animated but it you it looked very real in the animation style and they treated if you Hmm? sorry i was gonna say i don't know if you've seen the beginning of demon slayer i haven't okay it had very similar themes in my opinion although um samurai x was a little more uh realistic shall we say yeah so this, this one went to, well, I mean, Demon Slayer versus... The, the, so the setting of Samurai X is during the Meiji Revolution in um, Japan, in the 1800s. So for those that don't know, quick Japanese history synopsis, at least in the modern period. Um, during the Tokugawa Shogunate, um, Japan kind of closed itself off from the rest of the world. Very heavily restricted any interactions they would have with the outside world. And any influence that would come from other countries um they'd been trading to a limited extent with the english and the portuguese um and they actually christianity started to take a bit of a, a root in japan but they like the traditionalists the shogunate didn't really like that they cracked down on them persecuted the christians kicked most of the westerners out and locked down the country um this takes place during the rev- like there was a revolutionary like civil war happening in Japan between the people who were advocating for like a new government kind of opening it up bringing in you know more western um, influence and the old traditional like shogunate which was a military essentially a military dictatorship Jap- Japan was always an empire it always had an emperor but the emperor very rarely if ever took direct action in government matters so it was the shogunate that did everything for a good chunk of its feudal history. Um, yeah, but it doesn't go too strongly into the politics during the doesn't. movie. So, so th- that's that's the setting. That's the backdrop, and so mm. it opens up with this little kid who is you know traveling with a, a caravan. He's um, a slave. He's a slave. Yes, um, and the rest of, and there's like three other women that also kind of got sold into presumably like prostitution, um, and then. The caravan is attacked by bandits who slaughter everyone, and him as like this little like I don't know, he's probably like six or seven in this this scene, 
you know, he picks up a, a sword from a random person on the ground. He can barely hold it, and he's trying to stand in front of the, the women. They pull him down and kind of protect him, and they all get killed, like, right in front of him. And it's fairly vivid in the depictions of, like, the violence. There's not, like, guts everywhere, but there is a lot of blood. You do see a lot of people getting, like, stabbed through the throat or stabbed in the, the chest or something with a with a katana. Um, yeah. And so that, that scene opens up, the um, the girls protect him, they all die, and right as he's about to be killed, um, this other guy, this um, just wandering samurai, you know, comes through, and he slaughters the... master the, swordsman. What? A master swordsman, it's yeah. worth pointing out. Yeah, he makes short work of the bandits, and then, you know, you know, saves the kid, and then wanders off. And then when he wanders back to kind of check on the like, check on how things were, or I guess to see if the kid's still there or something. He doesn't, like, take the kid with him at first. He's just like, all right, you're safe now. You know, be happy about that. And then he walks off. Um, when he comes back, he finds that the kid has buried all of the, um, all of the people that are killed. Both the bandits and the people who were part of the caravan. Um, and when the guy questions the kid about it, uh, he says something along the lines of, it's like, you know, Yesterday they were they were bandits and they were whoever, but you know, last night they they were all just corpses or something like that. And yeah, wisdom beyond his years, essentially. Yeah, and so that's what makes the uh, the master swordsman guy go like, oh, okay, I'm gonna I'll take care of this kid and I'll I'll train him in my my sword style and you know hmm. try to teach him and and teach him like because uh, I think he makes the point that the philosophy behind his swordsmanship is. You know, to protect the weak and innocent, right? Anyway, it gets to a point now where, like, the kid's in his adolescent years, and he's training up there, and there's the brewings of the revolution and civil war and civil unrest down in the the wider country, and he wants to go off and, you know, try to do what he can to help people and save people, and his master very wisely goes like, no, no. You, if you go down there, you're just going to end up causing more harm than good. You're just yeah. going to end up like you, it doesn't Becoming matter. One of them. Yeah, it doesn't matter which side you join. Like both sides are doing morally questionable things and are going to be harming people. Yeah, but he doesn't listen. <clears throat> he runs off down there and goes and joins uh, the side of the revolution and becomes an assassin for them. Essentially, yeah. That first scene where he was an assassin, I thought that was a different character because I thought it was a woman. Like, for a long time during the first half of the film, I was like, is it a boy or a girl? He, that's something that's even kind of commented on in the, the anime series. He's, he's not a very masculine man. He's androgynous, yeah. Yeah, he's a very, like, highly skilled, highly trained swordsman, but they make a point in both the anime and to a certain extent in the movie that his primary strength is his speed. Like... Like, he's so, like, lightning fast and precise with the techniques that he uses and the swordsmanship yeah. that he employs that he doesn't need to be, like, super strong. Um, and he does have a very effeminate, like, way about him. Um, plus, I think when you see him... <clears throat> when you see him in the beginning of the movie, he's only supposed to be, like, 16 or 17. So he's not terribly old, either. Right. Um... Anyway, yeah, so anyway. 
he, he turns in he turns into an assassin, goes through, um, carries out some contracts, they introduce some other characters, and the plot is very light for a good part of this first bit of the movie. Like they they spend a lot of time on character development and a lot of time on visuals. And in fact when I first was talking about this movie to Blue, I I almost appreciate this movie less as a form of entertainment and more as like art because there's a ton of moments where it's just quiet there's like there's maybe some subtle sound in the background like crickets chirping or wind blowing through leaves but and there's not like a whole lot of music or if there is it it comes in at very specific punctuated points a lot of beautiful visuals they spend so much time on the atmosphere and do so much character development without actually having the characters open their mouths and it's yeah. it's something that not a lot of movies do now um and even back then not a lot of movies did but it was just as a kid i just i absolutely loved the aesthetic of it and i i still do today watching it again and yeah it, like um one thing that we noticed during the silent parts um and they're doing like atmospheric shots of the landscape They'll quite often use real life footage of uh, the sea, for example, or yeah. fires. Yep. And they will put that into the animated start. In, well, try and they'll add effects to that film footage to make it to more make animated. it look like it was animated. Yeah. Um, and it it doesn't not work. Like it works. You can tell at least. You can tell that it's not animated because yeah. it, it doesn't look like it's animated. But it does simulate animation fairly well. Um, and it does add... It, it adds something of interest to the film, for sure. Yeah, it, it gives it a very distinct visual appearance. Yeah. Um, and it does kind of almost give scenes that do employ that almost like a surreal effect where you're You've been watching something animated, but it looks very, very real in some places. Yeah. You're almost expecting the characters to suddenly become real suddenly in one of the pictures. Yeah. Um, because all the landscape around them has real aspects to it. Uh, yeah. And there was... Um, oh, what was it? Uh, they Especially in the second part of the movie... They, they really... So, the first part of the movie, it's very brutal. But they, they juxtapose that brutality with, like, a very, very peaceful and, like, calm scenes. Like the one you're talking about where it's, like, just the ocean or flowers or the fire or something like that. Um, but, yeah, getting, getting back to the plot. So, he, he performs a few assassins, and then eventually uh, they find out that there's... Uh, they're, they're informed that there's a traitor amongst them. They, they know that someone is informing on them. To the Shinsengumi, the basically the secret police of the shogunate. Not even secret police, just police police. Something funny I always find is that any Japanese character that essentially has a pencil mustache, <laughs> like that that little weedy mustache, always means that they're either evil or greedy in Japanese culture. And it's <laughs> like, wow, what have they got against like? What do they got against that facial hair? Because, I mean, I, do you know what I mean? I do, I do know what you mean, and I can't, I'm trying to think of an example where that isn't the case, and I can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's... it's Like, I can understand a trope where if a guy's got, like, a scar down his eye, that he's gonna be a badass. 
Hmm. Like, that makes sense, though, because he would have got that scar being a badass. It's not like greedy people naturally get more greedy because they have this mustache. Yeah. <laughs> but they always seem to have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so there's... Well, yeah. So that's why I'm growing mine out. <laughs> yeah, that's why I just have this giant bushy yeah. thing. Um, so they they are found out. A bunch of the revolutionaries are slaughtered. Um, a few of them, like that, are like the higher up leadership. They get away. Um, there's a whole subplot actually where uh, Kenshin, the main character, I, sh- I don't think I ever mentioned his name. Um, Though I do like that line at the beginning. So his, his original name is Shinta. Um, and when the swordsman adopts him, he's like, that's too soft a name for a swordsman. You're called Kenshin now. Mm. He doesn't say it like I, that. but it's, it's Every time I heard it, I just, just heard Genshin. Like Genshin Impact. No, no, not like that. <laughs> um, yeah, so... What does Kenshin he, mean, actually? Because Japanese has, names have meaning. One of the first assassinations he does in the movie is on this just random bodyguard of one of the guys he's going after and it turns out that like that that guard was engaged to this woman um the woman just is is in the the area when she finds out her her husband or fiance died and um like one night kenshin gets ambushed by an assassin and um he kills it him in the street and she's like walking by and gets like spattered with blood and he takes her back to the place he's staying. And the reason I'm, I, I kind of didn't establish her at the beginning because she only becomes relevant like in the second half of the movie, really. And in the second half of the movie, after they get found out and a bunch of the revolutionaries get slaughtered, um, Kenshin has to go into hiding. And the cover they give him is like, you go into hiding with her. You guys are husband and wife. You know, do that for a while. No, not do that for a while, but go into the countryside play it being husband and wife, and just wait for us to call for you. And so then, suddenly the movie just takes a 180, where it's been, like, cuts of peaceful scenes, political machinations, and brutal assassins. Now, it's suddenly country living. They're off in the countryside, they've got, like, a nice little cook fire, they're planting crops, they're they're walking on these peaceful roads into and out of town. Um... And over the course of it, like, she and Kenshin start to actually grow closer, which, the other thing, I'm pretty sure she's, like, five years older than him in context of the story. So, context, I just looked up. For a start, Kenshin means uh, modest truth. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And second of all... uh, there's one of the, the drop-downs I just clicked on that says, is Kenshin a girl? And they're like, no, he's not a girl. Uh, he is, uh, with an androgynous face, despite being 28 years old. In the main series, yeah. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, post-revolution in the main series is supposed to be 28. Right, okay. So he is actually, okay. Because you were saying earlier that you thought he was a teenager. He is a teenager in the movie, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. This, this movie's a prequel to the series. Um, but yeah, so they go into the countryside, they start to fall for each other, and then it's kind of revealed, uh, that's revealed to Kenshin that his wife is actually working with the, she, she, she was a spy, but not the spy. The spy was actually the guy who gave Kenshin his orders. Um, this kind of sketchy guy, the, the pencil mustache guy. Um, <laughs> and so Kenshin in kind of a, 
delirious like haze of just like you know of betrayal essentially because he feels like this this woman that he's fallen in love with that she's betrayed him that she was secretly it was all a ploy but it wasn't and the whole idea behind those two falling for each other and then this guy revealing it to Kenshin was so that he'd be so delirious and kind of hurt and not really focused that when he went to find her, all these assassins in the woods would be able to take him out. Um, yeah. Which works to an extent. He gets more heavily injured than at any other point in the movie. Um, but there's kind of a tragic scene at the end there where he goes to take out the last guy and his wife gets in the way and he kills her. And, um... Yeah. And then it... Like, from there, it kind of cuts to a montage. Well, it, it uh, does. explain that. Because now people are just thinking it's like a training montage. No, no, no. So, from there, it, it kind of cuts and summarizes the rest of the movie. Because he's heavily injured, but he, he manages to kill all the assassins. But in the process, unfortunately, also kills his wife. Um... And so, from there, it goes into a montage of the rest of the revolution. It shows Kenshin, you know, going out and, like, killing a you know, bunch of random people as part of the revolution. And it shows them storming cities and cannon fire from, from the ocean to bombard. Yeah, uh, it Kyoto. shows them going back to the assassin lifestyle. Yeah. So he didn't actually learn anything from it. No, he does, because at the end of that, he, like, he swears, like, he's... he's He's participating in the revolution, but then he swears to never kill again. And that's the whole premise of, like, the anime series, is that he's this this very gentle soul, but, you know, a master swordsman still, and he will do everything he can to avoid killing, and he never does yeah. throughout the whole series, I don't think. Right. Um, Batman-esque figure, but for Japan. Yeah, yeah. More, more like he's trying to atone for his sins, uh, for, like, during the revolution. Yeah. Anyways, the, but and there's two two last things I want to touch on. I, they didn't really fit into the plot synopsis, but there are two examples I think of really good symbolism in the movie. One is uh, at the very beginning, the assassin who was engaged to his wife Tomoe. Um, he is the first person you see en- injure Kenshin, and apparently it's one of the first times he's been injured. And he he like you know shallow cut on one of his cheeks. And throughout the movie, like, whenever he's worried or anxious or feeling guilty about what he's doing, it'll start to bleed. And they, they, they make some line about how, like, um, you know, a wound caused by some kind of strong hatred or curse or something like that, it'll, it'll keep weeping um, until it's avenged or something like that. I, I don't remember exactly what they said. but Yeah, so essentially until his wife put the second cut on his cheek. Yeah. It, I'm assuming it stopped ble- bleeding then. Yeah, yeah. And the, the thing, but I, I almost, like, it was a, it was a symbolic thing, because it only started bleeding whenever he was made aware of what, like, the things he was doing was wrong, or when he felt guilty, or when he felt anxious, or something like that. Yeah. I, I like that. Hmm. The other one, and this one is less symbolism and more just um, an interesting, uh, I guess... They, the, they make a point, like, whenever they're um, drinking sake, uh, like, throughout the series, like, they, they make a point of, like, oh, it tastes really good, or oh, I can't taste it tonight. And 
I liken that to like it was when when he was feeling like actually fulfilled and kind of happy and content in life. You know, the the food and drink tasted good, and yeah, when he was kind of that empty, soulless killer, there was just nothing to it. And I think there's there's something to that because like you think you do like a really hard day's work, you mow the lawn, you go out and do something physical, then at the end of the day you have like a beer. That beer's going to taste pretty damn good. But yep. if you just, like, I don't know, have a fucking lazy day where you don't do shit, and then... You if have you're a... drinking to forget, then it's never going to taste as good. Yeah. We're not even drinking to forget, just... But I think it's the same with... It doesn't have to be alcohol. It could be, like, anything. Like, could be food. Mm. could be... If Rewarding you... something that you yeah. know you don't deserve. It's going back to uh, what we said in segment one. It's It's something that you've... There's emotional weight to it. Too much dopamine in my system. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, we've still got uh, a good nine minutes. Do you want to talk about the other thing you've been watching? What's the other thing I've been watching? I thought you said there was something else you've been watching. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Do you want to watch, talk about the other thing you've been watching? I, I'm happy to. Um, so I'm going to close uh, this shade while you start off because it's shining right in my face. Sweetie and I finished, um, Alicia and I finished watching Castlevania. Uh, apparently Mass and Nick had watched it as well, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I've heard um, more and more people talking about it lately, and I feel like I need to watch it now. Yeah, I was surprised my brother hadn't watched it, to be honest. So it's a Netflix series, we've talked about it before on the podcast a few times. Hmm. Um, I've actually run through most of the story with you. You have. <laughs> and... There was... So there's three episodes I'm going to talk about today, and it's, I think, the last three of the last series. So, major spoilers coming up. Dun, dun, so, dun. in one of the episodes, so the third from the end, um, really cool stuff happens, and honestly, I'm forgetting what it was that happened now. <laughs> the ending uh, of the I series, remember it was really cool things cool. happen. So, oh, yeah, so, Isaac, the, the guy that whips himself, mm. he finally makes it to the castle that he's been trekking across desert, sea, ice, to get to this castle to avenge his fallen master. He gets there with his hordes of um, night creatures, and he is fighting the vampires that live there. Mm-hmm. Um, but unlike when he started his journey to murder them all, he has a he has had a change of heart. Like no longer is he fighting for someone else to avenge his fallen master. He's fighting because he wants to make a better life for himself and for other people. Um, so like it, it the, the the kind of progression of the character is quite strong. What are you smiling at? It's not the vampires we kill in the end. It's about the friends we made along the way. Yeah, sure. Um, so, two of the vampires were out during this, because they are fighting their own war, and they get back as the fight ends. And these two vampires, one of them is like this Indian vampire, I think, and the other one is like this, um, I don't know, Nordic or something? She's fucking badass. Frankly, style-wise, she's the coolest vampire, she's the coolest character mm. in Castlevania. Um, and yeah, those two lady vampires uh, like love each other, 
and so they get back to the castle, they see it's under siege, they have their, like, own army, and they just look at it and they're like, yeah, I think not, I think we're gonna fuck up and make our own place. <laughs> Which I'm kind of happy with, because if, if that vampire died, as awesome as it would have been to see her fight, because she's like this kind of warrior vampire in full armor, like black armor, mm. and she's huge. Would have been awesome to see her fighting Isaac, but never mind. So Isaac gets there, he kills the main evil lady vampire in the castle, um... The thrall that the vampire ladies had under their control, um, he's he's pretty chill. Isaac originally wanted to murder him, but now Isaac's like, you know what? You have already paid penance by the torch that the vampire ladies put up on you, mm. so you're fine. And also, I won't kill your vampire wife that you now have, because <laughs> he has a vampire wife. Well, not yeah. wife. They're, like, dating, I guess. Um, but there seems to be a really strong bond between them. Yeah. So, I'm going to just finish this particular arc, because even though it spans the episodes... Also, I remembered like, the uh, thing that I, I was, was watching. I had completely forgotten about it. So, oh. But yeah, go on. No, finish, finish so, your thing. If there's, there's, all, there's only two words I had to say on it, so if there's time, I'll, I'll mention it. But go on. Talk about this this vampire and human relationship, right? So he arrived in the castle beaten to shit. He got thrown in a prison cell. She came down as a diplomat because they needed him to give them an army of night creatures. And so she was, like, sweetening up to him, giving him a nicer cell, giving him books to read, like a pet, mm. right? Literally took him out on leash several times so that he could be outside. And... Eventually they end up fucking. And while they're fucking, she slips like this ring onto his finger, which means that he is bound to do whatever the female council tell him to do. Right? So he he is literally like, I'm not going to make it. He's taco making to the full. And she slips this thing on, and she's now like, you have to do exactly what I say, otherwise, and I quote, it will feel like your heart was just shat out of your anus. So he's a slave to them. But she's still... Afterwards, she was like, You know what? He's pretty good at fucking. <laughs> I'm gonna, like, have him around my quarters. And, yeah, so when it comes to this battle with Isaac, they've formed enough of a bond that he... That Isaac... Not... That the slave boy... I can't even remember his name because I care so little about him. Mm. Um, says to Isaac, Look, please don't kill her. Like, she means something to me. And she doesn't try and kill the others. She doesn't betray them or anything. But in the last episode, she's been, like, imprisoned by them for, like, I don't know, a very small amount of time. Mm. And she says, I can't be kept in a cage like a bird. And even though she's walking around in very nice, like, clothes, she has whatever she wants. Um, and so she... She basically says, I'm going to go and step out and see the sun. Mm. And he's like, no, don't. He takes her hand. And she's like, no, I really must. And he's like, okay. What? I thought you loved this girl suddenly. Like, that you cared enough to save her from Isaac. And now you're just like, okay, I'll let you die. And he literally stands in the doorway to the balcony. 
she's she's stood out there, and it is a beautiful moment. Don't get me wrong. She's like looking out at the sun. She turns to him and she's like, "Oh, is that all it is, person? Mm. His name I can't remember." <laughs> and then she like disintegrates in front of him, and he's doesn't even not a tear. Like, what the fuck is wrong with his character? He betrays Dracula, which is a cardinal sin in my book to start with. Hmm. He's a massive whiny bitch. He gets tortured all the way over to the other castle. He gets a little bit of nookie, and suddenly he's creating an army for the people that just tortured him. He falls in love, and then suddenly he's just letting her go again. Like, ugh. Like, no, really, I must. Okay, thanks, bye. Okay, thanks, Frankly, I'm sad that there wasn't more Isaac, because... By the sounds of it, Isaac became like a really... He became a lot more upbeat, and he wanted to create something for people to live by. And we don't see any of that. <laughs> Instead, we get this stupid drama with an idiot. Um, anyway, on the other side of things, uh, Alucard meets up... Well, Alucard's defending his castle from a bunch of night creatures. Some guy slips past him into the castle and starts summoning Dracula back to the real world. Um, this is a very cut-down version, obviously. Mm. Uh, Alucard's two best buds, the main characters, show up, and they kill all the demons outside. They start working their way up the tower, and they get to this room. They kill some more important vampires very quickly. Um, but there was one fight that was really fucking cool, I will say. One dude was fighting all three of them at once. He had, like, this pole arm. Um, well, it was like a pole arm flail, right? Mm. And it was so cool. Like, they were fighting him, and one of them cut his arm off. And he just fucking shrugged it off. He kept fighting with, like, one arm. That was a badass moment. Um, anyway, so... Dracula gets dragged back from hell into this kind of body that's been stitched together out of a man and a woman. And Dra Dr he Dracula gets dragged back with his wife from hell. What, they're still in the same body? Like, they were holding each other in hell, and so they both got pulled into reality. And you kind of hear their voice coming from the corpse, and they're, like, struggling around, but, like, two consciences in one body. Yeah. Uh, and then the main character, um, Belmont, like, fucking blows up the body. <laughs> and then Death appears. Death, who, who was disguised as a vampire. And this is the thing that really grinded my gears about this fight. Death, in dialogue, in the things that he says, has no control over hell, right? Which, okay, fair enough, he can't bring back people back to life. It's a bit weird, considering his death and all, that he doesn't have control over the immortal realms. But whatever. And also, he doesn't have the ability to send people, like, to kill people. Like, you're death, and you can't kill people? What? Um, that although... Go on. No, no, there's... Finish finish the synopsis, because I, I actually have something that will relate this to. Something Alicia said afterwards, which might have actually made sense, was that it was just a spirit, and that spirit called itself death, which might be the case. In which case, it might make more sense, but then it still wouldn't make sense why he wanted everyone to die. Um, just bitter. It's weird. And so, like, Belmont seemingly sacrifices his life to kill death, but he is. Mm. 
Um, and like everyone's happy again, except Belmont's dead, so his wife, his wife who's like really sad. But then Belmont just reappears on a horse, and he's alive, and he's fine. And it's I'm like, on a oh. horse. Exactly. Yeah. There's a really touching moment between Alucard. He's always like a bit of a grumpy cunt, and he's found like essentially a human wife who's completes him, and he. Yeah, it's a beautiful moment anyway. Mm. And the the mage lady who was Belmont's wife comes out of the castle after two weeks, and she's depressed as fuck. And they're like, "You should stay with us and you know help rebuild the community that they're building there." And um, yeah, and then he just suddenly appears on a horse, and it's like, "Oh, that was a really touching moment, and it was ruined." Yeah. So it was a happily ever after, and I checked afterwards. Unlikely that there's ever going to be another Castlevania part to it. So that seems to be the end. There's a lot there. It sounds like, from what you've said about this series, it sounds like they have a lot of good ideas, but have a tendency to execute them poorly, or at least to complete arcs poorly. They do really epic things. Hmm. What they are absolutely awful at is endings. Like, the ending of... The very ending of every series is awful. Just before it, like, mid-end of the series, it's epic. And then the very last part of the series is shit. Like, it just... leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Because it was a really good series, and I enjoyed it a lot. The fight scenes were amazing. The characters... Well, mostly really good. I'm talking about you, Slave Boy, you bitch. And <laughs> and then they just fucking dump a turd on your doorstep at the last moment and say that the series is over. So this is, like, this ties neatly into our, like, series that have a shit ending discussion from the other day. Yes, this is going in that category. Yeah, it's another death note. So I, the reason I was thinking of um, a couple things that points you brought up there like the thing with death not being able to be brought back and like um being like this god like character shows up there's mm. the thing i was going to talk about that i forgot and then remembered again and we've only got like a couple minutes left so i'm just gonna i'll, I'll yeah sorry put this out rep well i haven't finished it yet um but i do intend to they put out another season of lucifer mm-hmm that's what I was thought you were going to talk about, but I realized yeah. you haven't seen it yet. You just are I going saw, to see it. <laughs> I saw half of the first episode, and when I saw that there were new episodes out for it, I was baffled because the last, first of all, in season five, they introduced God as a character, and once once you put God in a series, you've kind of like, you're, you're running out of ideas in in the supernatural sense. That's when yeah. you said they introduced death. same with death. Yeah, it's like you're once you. You're literally introducing a character that can do deus ex machinas at will. Like, yep. that's not going to be something that ends too well. But season five's, and spoiler alert, end culminates with, like, God retiring and turning over his throne to, like, whoever of the angels will be able to be the most worthy and claim it. And, um, <laughs> like, surprise, surprise, it ends up being the titular character of the series, Lucifer. Yeah, there's this big epic battle between angels and demons in a football field for whatever reason because it's set in California. Um, Wait, an American football field? American football field, yes. Yeah. Sorry, hand egg field. 
Um, <laughs> so they, um, yeah, and then I thought that was going to be the end of the series because I'm like, that's actually a pretty good ending. It's like you know, they they introduce God, but God decides he's he's sat on the throne for too long. He's going to pass it on to one of his his children, the angels, and they have a big yeah. epic showdown to see who it's going to be. Ends up being this guy. Boom, series over. It it would have been a good way to close things out, but. For some reason, there's a season six, and I watched the first half an episode, and so far, it's like, they're going back to some of the similar story beats, but the intro is like, Lucifer's putting off his coronation to the, the throne, right? And, um... Right. Was he got butterflies or something? I guess. He doesn't want to give up his, his life down on Earth and stuff like that. Right. I mean, did he have to accept the job? Um... Well, Does he even want the job? The alternative would be to um, let one of his his twin brother in the series get it, and it's established that he is a bit of a douche throughout the the series. Which I don't know. It. I thought that they 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 were starting to run out of ideas in season five, but I thought they tied it up nicely. Now they're going still. So maybe I'm not giving them enough credit, and they're going to pull out some plot thread that seems interesting, but... For well, right... I mean, series don't continue because they have good plot points to make. They continue because they can make more money off of something. Can you hear me? Sorry. That recorded on the podcast, but I didn't hear a word you said. Ah, okay, so... A series does not continue because there is more that they have to say. A series continues because they can make more money off of a series. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. I think yeah, it probably... Unfortunately, you'll only not make money off of a series if a series has gone bad. So, it, there's... Normally, you will get a yeah. bad ending, because otherwise, there's just not going to be an ending. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's what happened with Doctor Who. God, yeah, it's still not over, isn't it? No, uh, yeah. I think there's... Yeah, I think they, they've thoroughly doctor. destroyed the canon, they've run the series into the dirt, and now um, the 13th Doctor is retiring. I don't know who's going to be. Is the new Doctor going to be? I have no idea. They haven't announced it yet. Oh, really? Or at I least not as far as I know. Um, worth yeah, look, look that up. We'll, this will be the last part of this segment. but yeah. um, Who will be the 14th Doctor? Ollie Alexander, the pop singer and actor. Who? I have no idea. Hang oh, on. Okay. Ollie Alexander. Oh, my God. Please tell me no. That can't. Let me read, reread this. Let me guess. No way. The next doctor, because they need to get some more diversity check marks in there. It's going to be a you demisexual midget. Honestly, just look at this picture. It All will right. blow your mind. Right. This is the first thing that came up when I Google searched him. This is not the face of a doctor. Oh my god. What can you imagine? Like. If you it's just just for the That's a fucking playboy, not a doctor. I just this is this this person looks like a cross between a goth, a Korean pop star, and No, that's a perfect that's that that yeah. is perfect. Yeah, just I'll leave it there. A cross between a goth and a Korean pop star. And not in a good He's way. So young. Like everyone thought Matt Smith was young. But this is like He's a teenager. Yeah. He's still a fetus. 
<laughs> and he looks very. I think. Uh, sorry, I, 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 we're, we've got we've gone over, but I need yeah. to keep going with this because we do. So Matt Smith, I, I think, was not a. Um, I didn't realize I was opening up such a can of worms. Um, I think Matt Smith, he was the youngest doctor before, and I think that was a good choice because the David Tennant arc had gone down to this like this very dark place, and the Matt Smith arc was the doctor kind of reinvigorating himself and you know rediscovering that exuberance that he had lost because of you know how jaded he'd become as as in the the Tennant arcs. This I, I don't understand, like. You know what I think? You know how there's that, that lore in the Doctor Who series where you can only regenerate a certain number of times? And then they broke that with um, Peter Capaldi? I think they can only regenerate a certain number of times. And every time they do it past that, they just get more and more, I don't know, broken. Like, I, why is this... The things- the is thing it, is, I'm right. Is that a rumor so, or is that confirmed? By the way, uh, Ollie has been one of the most rumored names to take on the iconic role after Judy Whittaker. Uh, oh, hang on. She'll end her tenure at the end of current season thirteen, which means BBC needs to find someone new and quick. But apparently, it won't be Ollie. So, differing sources. Okay. Um, but honestly, like the first thing that comes up when you search Ollie Alexander is Ollie is Ollie Alexander in a relationship. Does he have a boyfriend? Like, please don't go down the work rabbit hole. Please. Well, they, they already made the doctor a woman. Now they got to make him gay. Well, oh, fuck me. They, oh, God, they already did this with the companion. Like, this is... So there was there was a line I remember from... Uh, I there, there was a... There. There was, there was a series I used to watch. The guy that does zero punctuation, him and one of his friends when he lived in Australia did this side YouTube series, it wasn't monetized or anything like that, called Let's Drown Out. And they would yep. just, like, have a video game playing in the background. Either one of them was playing it, or it would be a recording of one of them playing it, and they would just talk over it. About random shit. It was essentially a podcast. Yes. They, one of them, who was a huge Doctor Who fan, and this was, like, when they recorded this, this was been, like, 2015, 2016, and um, this is of somebody who watched the old series and the new one and who, like, read the books and stuff, was really into the, the extended lore of the universe. And he's like, yeah, I don't understand these these people now who are like, I see, you know, the kids and the, the teenagers and stuff, like, when they're watching it, they, they're like, they, they're playing Doctor Who or whatever, and they're, they're, they want to be the Doctor, right? It's like, when I was a kid, you didn't want to be the Doctor. The Doctor was like this unknown thing. You, you were one of the Doctor's companions. Acting like you wanted to be the Doctor was like saying in Star Trek, I want to be the Enterprise. He was like the vehicle that like took these these normal people on an adventure. I thought that was a good yeah. point. Like they've they've kind of taken that mystique away well, from him. I now. think I think the Enterprise would be the TARDIS. I think he would yeah. be like the person it, leading it's the not ship. A, <laughs> it's not a it's not a perfect metaphor, but yeah. Um, but I think it it. it it encapsulates one of the issues I think now with the current writing of it is yeah. they've gone from the doctor being this, um, this being far beyond, you know, human understanding who's taking these normal people on an adventure through time and space to being more and more flawed and human. And yes. And I need to clarify what I said just now, because people will 
latch onto it. It's not bad that the actor is gay, but the doctor should not be fucking humans. Like, great having an LGBT actor, but based on what they've done in the past, I'm worried that they're going to use that as an excuse to promote politics in the yeah. show. Even good politics is not... It's not the place. Well, we've we've talked about this before, um, yeah. about Doctor Who. We've gone on a rant about this very specific thing. Is that even back, if you go back to like the David Tennant era or before, if there were po- political messages in the show, they were they were subtle and more generic. They weren't like you know turn to camera and tell politics. But that happened during the Thirteenth Doctor's tenure. There was one episode where the episode finished. And she essentially lined up the companions and was just talking to them like, this is the message of this episode, and yeah, if you don't believe this, you're a bad person. Particular episode many times, haven't we? When she's like, that's not an alien race words, that's Russian, dun dun dun! <laughs> it's like... And it's uh, like, that's just lazy that writing. Like, if you it can't, if, you're, if you have so episode. little confidence in your audience... That you think that they can't get the message unless you literally turn to camera and tell them the message, you failed as a writer. Yeah. Period. And um, they had a brilliant comedian in that series as a companion the whole time, and there's so many better ways they could have done it. They didn't even use him properly. The jokes weren't funny. Like, d- it's just lazy, lazy, lazy writing. Yes. It's gone so far into the shitter. I don't know how they're gonna recover. Um, and I don't think... I mean, okay, maybe he'll pull something out of the hat and it'll be an amazing Doctor Who, in which case, I take it all... Actually, I haven't insulted him as such. I'm insulting... The BBC. No. The BBC, yeah, because I think we should they be, are the puppeteers. Should be clear He's about this. Puppet. I know nothing about this person. I just mocked his appearance, but I do that to everybody. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure I already did that to Blue this morning. But... Did you? I, I don't know. It's just... Yeah, I probably did. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably just... <laughs> I but, probably just didn't even notice because I've heard it so many But I know nothing about this person. He could actually be a talented actor. He might actually be yeah. someone. But we're pointing out that the... B- I, I have no confidence in the BBC at this point. Like, no. I have not seen a single show that they've... Pre- Peaky Blinders, I think, was the last thing I saw coming out of the BBC that I actually really liked. Alright, phenomenal. We, we could go down this rabbit hole for a yes, while. This sorry. segment is already like 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's wrap it up here. We'll see you guys in segment three. Um, segment three? What we, I didn't even do my outro. Thank you all for... <laughs> this is going to be the end of segment two of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you'll hear us again momentarily for segment three. Welcome back to the Team CJ Podcast. We're on segment three, our wild card segment. And this really is a wild card this week. Uh, we had planned to do one of our other, like, little more fun. Blue and got him angry so yeah it made me mildly horrified i was like nope we're talking about this so we've we've railed on this particular topic i think once before maybe or yeah. at least we, we've at least brushed up against it several times we've alluded to it yeah but the the whole like the modern take on uh wokeness i guess for lack of a better term or 
more specifically, at least this is an issue for me working in the corporate world, the fact that they would they've been pushing like these new diversity and inclusion trainings, which yeah. are neither diverse nor inclusive. They're and before we wade into the slime that is what we're going to be talking about, I think it's fair to point out that it's very important to have. And I'm not going to say a diverse cast of people in a place of work, because I think you should just have whoever's best for the job at a workplace. Hmm. But inclusivity is very important. And yeah, just if you if you don't have inclusivity, a team will not be working as a team, and you will not get a job done properly. Right. And I think one of one of my biggest contentions with this sort of thing, I, I'm I'm with you there, because everyone is going to be different. Everyone's going to have a different background. Everyone's going to have. If they're coming from a different country, if they're coming from a different region of the same country in a place as big as the U.S., hmm. being able to, like, if they are they can do the job, being able to have them all integrate well into the team to get that job done and function well together, that's important. What I don't like about stuff like this is it's not that. It's like, here, this is all this, like, here's Hispanics. They all go in one bucket. Here's whites they all go in one bucket here's and you have to treat them a particular way and it's like how moronic is that like when you say hispanic do you mean central america south america do you mean argentinian do you mean puerto rican do you mean peruvian yeah. do you mean and they're does from it the matter it, and that's that's the other thing and when you say white do you mean german do you mean you know from the u.s do you mean canadian maybe you mean argentinian as well because there's a large white population down there I was gonna say maybe Eskimos, but then Eskimos aren't white, are they? No, they're 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 closer to like um like Native Americans or Asians if you trace it back far enough. And even Asians, yeah. do you mean Chinese? And in China, do you mean the Han Chinese or do you mean like the Southern Chinese? Or do you mean the Western Chinese? Do you mean Indian? Do you mean Japanese? So. Like this is sorry, I could go on about that. It just pisses me <laughs> off so much because they they try to boil. One of my favorite quotes, and I can't remember who said this, but the smallest minority is the individual. So just my my philosophy has always been the old like Martin Luther King philosophy. You you judge people by their character, you judge them by who they are, and you treat everyone initially at least until they change your opinion positively or negatively as just like another human being. Anyway, that that preamble, the thing that set all of this off is. Um, I stumbled across, <laughs> there was a, a leaked document, it was a leaked PowerPoint presentation that was given as part of a diversity and inclusion training at, a, won't say who, but a, a big tech company, we'll say. California, Silicon Valley kind of company. Um, and they have a, a wheel of power and privilege. And... I looked at this, and I don't know what they were trying to... I think I know what they were trying to get across. But what they actually created instead is a giant circle that basically says that, like... Th this thing looks like it was written by, like, a like a white supremacist. That's another thing. I actually want to address something about this before we actually go before into Before we what go into actually. it? Sure, go so, for it. Well, okay, I'm going to give a brief description of what we're looking at. So, there is a... Um, a pie chart, if you will, yeah, uh, called the Wheel of Power slash Privilege, and in the center it has power. On the edge it says marginalized, and basically the closer to the center something is, the more privileged slash powerful it is. The further out it is, the more marginalized and therefore powerless, apparently. And um, and 
this is a yeah it's a colorful it's it's multicolored pie chart it's written in like comic sans like this is the equivalent of me making an infographic of people that died in a tsunami and having like little comic book action figures next to each bar on the chart like this is fucking disrespectful what the fuck does power and privilege have to do with rainbows and comic sans right this is someone who's trying to make a, a diagram for a, a business to say that they've put in the effort rather than just having a proper fucking Wait, sensible, I, sensitive display I, of the facts. I imagine there would be somebody out there, like somebody giving the presentation that would then explain this bullshit. But I've, I've heard it explained, and I have very strategically, and I, this, is, this is a secret, don't let anyone know. But I have strategically avoided taking diversity and inclusion training at my current company for four years now. Because after they've, I've, they've rolled it out, I've seen the emails, and I've just happened to have other conflicts every single time one came up. And uh, just, oh, I just can't take the training. Because I've, I've been through it at other companies. I know people who've been through it. And it's just utter horseshit. It's... It's horseshit that comes from, like, good intentions a lot of the time. They, they feel like they, they want to help people. They feel like some people who are, again, not in the majority of society. Like, there, there is a, a, like a social norm. Like, there's definitely, just because we're, we're animals, like, there's going to be, there's always going to be more heterosexual people than there are gay people, lesbians, bisexual people, whatever. It's it's a fact. So I can see they're they're like oh you know there there's there's fewer people that fall into that bucket. So you know they want to make them feel more part of the family, part of the team. But this is like literally the worst way to do it. Anyway, I'm describing it. Sorry, go on. You were going to say um, something. Well, we're going to come back to um, sexuality in particular um, a little bit later. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, so everything on this chart has, like, three levels to it. So each, there's a category for each slice of the pie. And so to take one, for example, um, the formal education category, right? Hmm. In the middle, which is the most powerful, there is the post-secondary. Yeah, and so then... also it's important to point out that this chart is very much, like, California-centric. Or it, U.S.-centric in general but very California-centric. So post-secondary, they mean you've completed at least one college degree. Yeah. And then in the middle of the graph, like the between, there is high school education. And then in the marginalized section of the graph, there is elementary education. So they only did elementary school. Yeah. Um, so each thing has three tiers to it. And what we have... I mean, we have a lot of problems with this graph that we've already stated some of them. Um, the order in which some of the things suggest that you have more power or more privilege, as they are directly saying, hmm. uh, either makes no sense or is actively going against how people should be thinking. Yeah. Or it's just... I mean, there, there's so much like, flawed to logic in this. Yeah. I, I think that probably that's probably why they'd have like somebody presenting this that would give some nuance to it, but... I, I just I'm looking at this and something that just occurred to me. So I was I was about to say um, like one of the things I was laughing. I was joking around about this when we were in the interim 
I was like, I'm like, yeah. I'm in the middle of almost all of for almost all of these. Yeah. Um, and and I, I did the made the He-Man reference like I have the power, which is not. I, I know that's not what they were going for, but somebody who doesn't give a shit about other people is going to look at this and go like, just feel, oh man, I feel great. And by a counterpoint, some of the people that are on the outside of this thing, like. Sorry, in the skin color one, it just straight up says that dark skin means you're marginalized. Like, yeah, that's that's a horrible like how, that's a horrible so, thing to say to somebody. So the like, most the most powerful in that scale is white, of course. Yeah, and the most marginalized is dark, not black. Dark. So they they litter, and oh, by the way, the one in the middle between those two. Yeah, is that's just what I was going to talk about. Yeah, different shades. Different shades goes between them. So you know. They've lumped. Oh, they've lumped Asians, Native Americans, um, most Hispanics, all into the same bucket. It's like what? Yeah, it's like, no, but it's like because they chose the word dark for skin color. It's literally a matter of the darker your skin color. It's like a fucking litmus test of like how acidic are you is how powerful you are. Like the more white your skin is, the more. Fucking, I don't know, yeah. muscle that you have. It's so fucking stupid. Human beings are not Super Saiyans. <laughs> as they're powering up, they get paler. I don't know. It's just, but but this is the thought I was having as I was. You were you were you know describing the wheel. Like in a lot of these, I'm I'm in the middle. Um, for these these things like English, I I know English, which for what just knowing English makes you, um more powerful i don't know what they're thinking like everyone in france is marginalized um well maybe they are <laughs> uh i'm a citizen cisgender white i have post-secondary education i have a college degree able-bodied uh heterosexual yeah. also, hold on i'm, I'm like, getting i'm getting sorry. to a point though I'm, i am getting to a point but i actually like people throughout their lives will move in and out of these different categories in some cases so for example like, Absolutely. the wealth one. I started off poor, made it into middle class, and if I keep going on the path I'm now, I could end up being rich because I'm, you know, got a good job, I'm saving up money, investing in stocks. And then yeah. the English one. Everyone starts off at uh, in the outer edge because they start off not knowing a language. Then they learn English, and then English is their... If they're, yeah, if well, they're in an English-speaking I, country. I started off heterosexual, and then I... <laughs> Stab myself in the gut by becoming pan, and now I'm marginalized. Um, like, but no, relating to the English thing. Uh, apparently, if you are born learning English, that makes you more powerful than if you went out and learned English. So, if you have like yeah. the money to have an education and to learn English, yeah, or use you're any less language. powerful than someone who's like, what? you know, two languages. That makes you more powerful. Yeah, you you actually can do a lot more. Like, because yeah. I know that one of the most valuable people, like, in... Because we... we I, my my job has me operating, like, all around the world. And I can tell you right now, like, it was a huge advantage. Like, I, I'm pretty good with Spanish and I'm okay with German. But just the knowledge of those other languages that I have, that was a huge advantage, like, going into those countries. Because I could yeah. understand... We all know how terrible you are with French. <laughs> yeah. Abon pain, mercy beaucoup. No, yeah. just, but but this is my point: is this is treating people like they're a snapshot in time. Like what they are now is what they're always going to be. Like the rich are always going to be rich, the poor are always going to be poor. Yep. It, it's 
it's a moronic way and a very one-dimensional way to look at people. And it's just, it's just flat out wrong in a lot of cases. Yep. So, um, sorry, say, say your point. No, 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 finish your point. I'm so eager to fucking talk about this that I'm, okay. I'm interrupting you and I'm sorry. The, no, so am I. That's the thing. I, I could just keep ranting about this because it, it's so fucking annoying. So one of the other things that I was saying uh, to Blue in the interim when we first were looking at this was like growing up and i said this in the beginning like i always took the the martin luther king approach that was how i like and i I thought that was that was the good thing you treat people based on who they are as a human being as an individual content of character not how they look not you know any of the other things around them this is the exact opposite of that and i feel like just knowing what i know about human beings having lived amongst them for 32 years um like this is going to make things worse this is going to make people discriminate more against people because what this chart is essentially telling people is that oh if i'm i don't know if i'm slim that's that's one of the ones if i'm slim that's in the middle near power that means that i am i am better i am more powerful than the large people it's like yeah it's so there's a category called body size and it goes from large being the most marginalized to slim being the most powerful. Also, I think that's complete bullshit. We've got more fat people than skinny people in the US. Yeah, so something I said to Kaiser again during the interim is that so all those homeless people that can barely eat, all those people in like third world countries that are living in shanty towns that are you can see their fucking bones yeah. through their shirts. They're more powerful than those. They're more powerful than the fat I was about to say a brute word that I definitely couldn't use. The, 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 the overweight people who gorge themselves because they have the money and they can just afford to eat as much as they want. I'm not saying that if you're overweight, you have to be powerful or you have to be poor. It's something completely unrelated to power or privilege because there are people in both extremes that are in both extremes, if you follow my yeah. gist. And this is... This is why in the beginning I said this is this is a very not just a Amero, centric but it's it's a very California centric thing. And the reason I know that is cuz when they say body size, they're thinking of like the the lazy schlub who, you know, doesn't have a lot of time to work out, can't afford a gym membership. You know, they're down and does that their... even apply to men? Cuz I mean, men want to be ripped and that is why I would consider large. They're not slim at all. Again, this is why I'm saying it's California centric. Because in California, they're thinking like slim. They're thinking like beach body ready. Like they're thinking about women's uh, stereotypes, like specifically. <laughs> yeah, I think like, that. But it's oh, that was <sighs> mental health. For some reason, I thought that was like bulk, robust, mental health, robust. Then what is neurodiverse? Oh my god! Is uh, the other thing is I don't understand what half of these fuck half of these nonsense terms don't mean anything. Yeah, there's a lot of them I had to ask Kaiser exactly what they meant, and it sounds like Kaiser doesn't even understand that one. <laughs> well, um. I, I, I missed mental health. I thought that was like, you know, how... Because it says robust, mostly stable, and vulnerable. I thought that that was like... I thought that was physical health, but I, I apparently I, I misread that. Neurodiversity, I'm, I'm fairly confident what that is. Like, neurotypical yeah. is just, you know, a normal person. you got a functional brain. 
neuroatypical is like maybe you got some ADHD or something like that that makes it a little harder to focus or something like that. And then they've got significant neurodivergence, which I think is when you have some kind of a mental disability, like severe autism or like, you know, severe um, Down syndrome or something like that. Um, yeah. But again, this... it's, it's being used in such such a weird way like this is oh my god it's oh we've totally lost the page what were we looking at it on discord yeah it was on discord yeah but as just to to be a fly on the wall seeing this actually makes me want to go to the diversity inclusion trainings they have at my company but i'd be so tempted to mock them that i probably would get fired so so there's 12 different categories on this Mm -hmm. pie chart I would agree with about two of them. And that is that if you are rich, then yes, you have more power. That goes without saying. Likewise, if you have had a really good education, you'll have more power. I still don't think it goes under privilege, because like in this country, if you're in grammar school, you don't pay for grammar school. Yeah, Um, and in... Like university, yeah. Well, it's the same thing in the U.S. And like post-secondary, you have to pay for, but there are there are state-run colleges that are cheap as hell. And even um, then, you get businesses that pay for your education. Oh yeah, my company will do it. Yeah. I got you know I got a guy working for me right now that's going for his um his uh MBA, master's uh, business something. I don't remember what his MBA. MBA. MBA <laughs> M. Yeah. Um, um, but no, I, I'd actually go with wealth and housing with the two I completely agree with. Formal education, I mostly agree. But post, yeah. like, I agree up to high school. But post secondary, I think it really depends on what that degree you get is mm. and how much you paid for it. Because if you pay like a hundred grand for like a literary degree, you wasted your money. Um, like you can yeah. get if you if you want to get a job in some kind of English language field and you want to get a master's in it, I I you know go for go for like a cheaper like state run college or something like that and then get your master's at somewhere prestigious. You know what this could be, this wheel. Hmm. I was just thinking. All right, picture it for a second. This is not a wheel of power and privilege. This is a character created dartboard. <laughs> Oh my god! I you suddenly... throw three darts at this board, and whatever they land on, you are that person. Oh, that I person suddenly love it. Um, we might we got to do something with that at some point. Oh, we, yeah, we know we've got to do this. We have to do a character creation with this. Um, oh. And sorry, <laughs> that was a funny thing. Back to the seriousness briefly, because that flashed through my mind. Um, getting onto probably the most significant one that I'm going to rant about because it. Is something that I know the most about, probably on this wheel. Mm. The sexuality part of the board. Mm. Now, suffice to say, obviously they've put the most powerful and privileged position. Also, explain to me how the fuck privilege comes into this. You're most privileged if you're heterosexual. Yes, I am. I am privileged by my biology. Now. If they mean to say by that that they get that you get harassed the least, fine. 
but that's not what you're saying on this board. This should not be on this list. They are trying to ram it full of as many fucking woke terminologies that they can, and it doesn't make sense, and it is insulting. I think one of the... Th- I Having paid attention to this stuff for kind of a while, it just... What I think it is, and th- this is the big problem with this this wheel as a general concept, is you are taking... what? How many did you say there were? 1, 2, 3, 4, 10? 12. 12? 12 different, very subtle, very nuanced aspects of human nature and trying to boil them down to a very, very simple dartboard and yeah. trying to measure them all by the same metric when some of them are profoundly different. Like some of these, like the you know the skin color or you know, to an extent the sexuality, you're born into those things. It's not something that you can move between. Wealth is a different story. Same thing with housing. You can be born poor and work your way up to being wealthy. You can be born or you can be homeless at one point in your life and your luck turns around, you get a good job and now you're renting and then you move up and then finally you get a better job and boom, you can buy property. Yeah, you can be overweight and then make a change in your life, do something healthy, like go and exercise more, eat properly and become average or even slim. Yeah. Um, But I'm not finished with sexuality yet. No, no, go go back to sexuality. I just wanted to say, (laughs) make that point because... You can make arguments for some of these things being things that need to be addressed. Like, you know, it's tragic that there are people in crippling poverty. It's tragic that there's homelessness. And it'd be good to find a solution to those things to try and... Also, but but other things on here are completely different categories. Like, am I going what, to... What's the, the gender one? How do we solve women? Like, it's just... It's you're trying. So like my, for reference, for the uh, gender one, the most powerful is cisgender men, meaning people who are born men and stay men. The middle is cisgender women, uh, the same thing for women, and the outer ring is trans people or tra- non-binary. Trans, intersex, non-binary. God, it's really small text, but yeah. but okay, go back to the section. But just quickly, my point was that yeah, you you've got a very a lot of complex nuanced topics and you're trying to measure them all by the same metric and that's moronic anyway go on blue yeah so sorry the sexuality we talked about the innermost ring being heterosexual the middle ring so not the most privileged and not the most marginalized are gay men now take particular note of the second word in that gay men okay specifically So, then we go to the outermost wheel, the most marginalized, the least privileged, and the first thing in the list is being a lesbian. Now, explain to me how a gay man, doing this purely off of sexuality, is more privileged than a, I'm going to say gay woman, because it's the same thing. Yeah. There is no difference. If someone is homophobic, they're going to be as homophobic to a gay man as they are to a gay woman. It makes no difference. Arguably, they're going to be more homophobic to a gay man. Because I know that, like, there's plenty of men out there who are heterosexual that like watching uh, a little bit of lesbian action. Yep, and I'm sure it's the other way around as well, but I think probably if we looked up a survey, I think men probably... It's Watch it's yeah it'd probably be a lot more common. So arguably it's the other way around. Gay men would be more likely to be discriminated against because they're yeah. gay. But, but hold on, just I, I have a quick point to make here. 
Okay. I think that their logic behind this is because they're men, they get a little bit closer to the middle. But the yeah. but that's logically but that's inconsistent. Under gender, not sexuality. Exactly, but it's logically inconsistent with their own diagram because they already covered the gender thing under gender. Yeah. Anyway, go so, on. So, like by that logic, they should say you know body size. Average man is one place. Average woman is another. Anyway, um, so sorry. Sexuality. Back to the third segment. The most, the least privileged. So it's lesbian, and then it's bi people. So. If you're a straight man, just to clarify, if you're a straight man, you are the most powerful. If you are a gay man, you're slightly less powerful than that. If you're a man who likes sleeping with women and also likes sleeping with men, then you're even less powerful slash privileged than a gay man. Because I I don't, and I don't get that. (laughs) In theory, you know, you're the most powerful because you can choose your partner at will. Yeah, I mean, if following their own rules, this would surely put you between heterosexual and gay. Yeah. Either way. I don't think this was made by somebody who understands, like, math or, like, any... Just human nature. Um, Then we have Pam, which is, of course, my team. (laughs) (laughs) Who are also in the uh, marginalized section. So, maybe a little bit more... Um, personal than I should but frankly I feel the need to set, talk about this I was not always pansexual when for the most of my life even I was a heterosexual man it was only at a certain point that I became pan so does this mean that that day that I decided that I was who I was that I marginalised myself by saying I want to like more than just women. I don't know. This like, is something that has always I lost power by working out who I was. Go on. Yeah. Being being true to yourself made you less powerful. Mm. And less privileged. You you when yeah. you were repressed, you were more powerful. <laughs> or when, when you were uh, But I don't even like that that terminology. I'm using the terminology that goes along with something like this and I shouldn't be. Cuz this is something that I I hear a lot that when you, um, it goes back to what I said earlier. This is treating people like they are a fixed point and they will always be in that fixed point for their entire lives. They don't change. They're not dynamic beings. But that's completely untrue. Like, asexual is one of the things in the marginalized group, which, as I understand it, is just like, you're not really a sexual person. You're not really attracted to men yeah. or women. You're just kind of, you know, just yourself. Yeah. Um, well, well, not even that. You're not even attracted to yourself. You're just... You, you can st- If you're asexual, you can still love someone. There, that's why there is an actual difference between asexual and aromantic. Um, but you never hear about aromantic. Um, asexual... So, asexual is actually at the end of this list of, of marginalized people. Yeah. And I'm wondering if they did that on purpose saying that they are the least of the least. I don't powerful. think there was I don't think there was any order to this. Maybe maybe not. Um but like okay, so if you're asexual, meaning you don't want to sleep with either gender, does that mean that like uh t- take Friars for example. I've been watching Friar review on YouTube, all right? Mm-hmm. I'm not particularly religious, but it's it's good content. They 
abstain from marriage or, you know, sleeping with people. Yeah. Um, because it is part of their religion. Um, and does that mean they are marginalized because they, they don't sleep with people? That seems ridiculous. That's like telling someone off for not having sex, which is the most retarded thing. I apologize for my use of word there. It's insane. No, I think what you mean is neuroatypical. Yes, I'm sure I do. <laughs> I just also, I just, I was, I was looking at some of the other ones uh, there, and um, the one right above sexuality, ability, in meaning like able-bodied versus having some kind of disability. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that one maybe I think is probably the most fucking self-evident thing on this entire list. It's like yes. I am more powerful with a complete body than if I get into a car accident and lose an arm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's all not par with the wealth thing. But but it is. It's, it's just. I don't know. They, they. This wheel runs the spectrum between like the patently fucking obvious and the absolutely ridiculously insane. Yeah, and nothing in between. And this is being given at, at like a corporate level. Like it look a it. At a glance, if you didn't read anything, it looks like something that we should should be shown to like kindergartners or maybe you know first graders. But then yeah, this is what I meant at the beginning by how insensitively displayed it is. It's just ugh, the fucking comic sans and everything. But then when you actually read into it, it's just like this is a horrible thing to be teaching people. A like it's if they really wanted to like make people like more accepting and more aware of the different the the vast spectrum of different people that are out there this is not the way to do it the way to do that is that what you just did when you were describing what like pan or asexual was or aromantic like that's the way to do it is to go like hey just know that there are people out there like this they're not like weirdos it's a you know this is just them living their life accept them just be kind to them like they're like another human being hmm. this is not the way to do that. This is not just, at all. I really do want to do that game where we make a character just by throwing darts at this thing. You will you will never be able to get a message across to someone about people by using charts. If I came up to you in the street and said, look, I'm using the tsunami example again. Yeah. Um look, I was in this country, so many people died. There were Things happening in the streets, it was awful. Yeah. And I told you a, a man to man, I said, oh, fuck, I can't even use the word man to man, can I? Um, uh, what you mean is a cisgender male to, to cisgender male. Um, then, then you will listen to it and it will have an effect on you. If I came to you with a graph, look at this graph! Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, Referencing an old man. And showed, this is how many people died. And this is something else, a statistic that happened. It's a lot like, more sterile. This is a business's approach to explaining how society works. But you cannot yeah. do that. If you want people to actually understand how it works, you need to sit down with them. You need to have a professional come in and say, right, we need to talk about this. Fucking forget the flat, fancy PowerPoint shit. Let's talk about our experiences. Let's talk about real-life stories and how we can improve ourselves to be 
just more aware, not even more like, we shouldn't change the way that we do things, we should be more aware, and then naturally we will say, okay, we're not going to say this thing to this, this particular person, because we know that it will hurt their feelings, or... Yeah, we got to be understanding of their financial situation so that we're not going to drag them into a situation where they're uncomfortable. Right, exactly. Like, oh god. Okay, so sorry, that was a rant. <laughs> but just you know, I, this, I'm doing it. I'm doing this again. I'm tying this back to the very first topic we talked about today: the whole ritual and like you know, weddings and funerals and things like that. This is a very interpersonal, emotional, human-to-human interaction, like that all of this thing represents and they're trying to make it sterile and clinical and devoid of emotion and you can't do that with these types of human to human interactions they're taking what is this sort of like it's not something that you can boil down into purely scientific terms some of these things you can but like so for instance if i were to say yeah the the education one you can boil that down to like very like elementary education that's a firm cutoff in the u.s high school it's a firm cutoff post-secondary firm cutoff but poor middle class rich those are arbitrary and it's it it varies by region and it varies by from person to person it varies based on like how many finances they have to support like there's there's kind of it's there's a gray area where you transition from middle class to rich or from poor to middle class it's but you could see like a homeless dude in the street and go definitely that guy is definitely poor or you could see like a billionaire out there and it's like that guy is definitely rich but where the transition happens is very vague and they're trying yeah. to boil a lot of these these kind they're of trying to categorize people they're trying to put people in their place yeah well I, and ironically they've just i mean i i feel a lot more confident about myself after looking at this chart i'm apparently one of the most powerful beings on the planet <laughs> like I, I feel like i want to go and lift some weights and uh, we are tearing this um leak apart yeah it's not just this one company this is rife across like all the industries as far as i'm aware company education like it's it's everywhere now i've seen a um i I did an interactive one online once and it got to a set of questions where it said okay it showed me four people, like four photos of people. Two of them had no, sorry, two of them were just like wearing like casual clothing. One was in a a big lab coat with glasses on, and they were like, "Right, tell me which one is the doctor." I'm talking about Doctor Who. I'm talking about the job. An, yeah, an actual doctor. doctor. Yes. Yeah, and I was like. Right, okay. I clicked one of them and it was like, Ah, we tricked you. The doctor is the one in the casual clothing. And then it was like, Alright, we'll show you three people. One of them's got a turban on his head. Tell us which one is this particular race. Hmm. And it's like, What the fuck? You're wanting me to... You're wanting me to choose people based on appearances and then either tell me I'm wrong and, like, abusive in the way that I think, or that I... I, Turban on his like, head, I would have guessed he was a Sikh. <laughs> well, it's, it's like saying... No, because it's, it's, it's a traditional... Like, it's, it's a traditional, like, Sikh headdress. Like, a lot of people 
get confused. They think Sikhs are either Muslims or Hindus or Indian or whatever, but they're not. They're they're a significant. They're a different ethnic group. Um, but it was it was just going through extreme examples. So it was like pick the Jew from these three people, and it's like, and imagine like the, the fact that that is something going on now. That that's something that should be in fucking like you know World War Two Germany. Like pick you know pick the the pick out the race. You know find the area. It's like, what's next? Pick out the terrorist based on the way he looks? Like, So we had to... Um, so I, I have a, I have a fire, firearms license, and I had to go through training courses to get it. Um, and one of the trainings they put us through was, like, um, conflict scenarios. And how yep. to, they de-escalation training and stuff like that. And we also had to go through a training where um, it was a video. So they, they had, they had um, guns that were loaded with CO2 cartridges and laser sights. So we could fire at the screen um, if we thought it was appropriate at the time. So they <clears throat> ran us through, like, you know, active shooter scenarios. And one of the ones they did was we come across, like, a, a tussle going on. Okay. And there are two people... I thought you were going to go down the uh, the classic pregnant lady with a, with no. a shotgun No, no, no. Thing. It, was, it was two people fighting over a shotgun. Two men. Okay. And... Um, they like we come around the corner and we're armed and they're clearly fighting over a weapon can't really make out what they're saying and eventually one of them like gets the weapon the other one goes to run and the person with the weapon points it at them um now anytime during that scenario you're allowed you, the instructor to shoot, you, yeah. yeah to shoot um but the it's it's a judgment training because if if at any before the person got the weapon and was pointing it at the other person you could not legally you should not legally open fire you you could draw your weapon but you could not legally open fire in that case because no one is in imminent danger but the moment the person the other person got the weapon and then pointed it at the person who's running away not no longer engaging in in the conflict now that person who's running away is in active danger and you are allowed to fire on the person who was holding the weapon it's just it's I, I, I'm kind of getting off in, in the weeds a little bit here, but they, um, why did I, why did I tell that story? You were just talking about it. Tr- oh, the doctor thing. It's about perception. It's about like, you have to make a judgment call. And the yeah. doctor one is a stupid trick question. It's like, yeah, okay. This person who looks nothing like a doctor doesn't have the uniform on. It's just some random person in casual clothing. How would you ever guess that? Yeah, and why would you need to guess that? Well, that's the other thing. Like, okay, it's more it's more key with the whole like the the Jew question because that was one that came up. Um, yeah, but that's the other thing. Are they talking about religious? I'm assuming they mean ethnically because it's like, yeah. Diff- are you are you telling me that I need to train to be able to spot someone who's a Jew, or are you telling me that I don't need to because? I, I, why would I need to work out if someone was Jewish or not? And, and uh, I said this during the interim, but like when I was a kid, I never thought about any of this stuff. Like my mm. friends, like my friends were just my buddies. I I never like, and it, it didn't matter to me that some of them were white and some of them weren't. And it didn't. It like they were all they, they were they were just like they they were the the person themselves. They weren't. I wasn't thinking about their ethnic group or like you know. Their genetic makeup or anything like that, or or what their sexual orientation was, or any of that bullshit. I was just thinking of them as people. Yeah. And now, like, it feels like they're forcing people to discriminate with stuff like this. It just, 
Yeah, it's like, even someone who, let's say someone is racist, if they're in one of these, doing one of these stupid courses, they know what the right answer is. Yeah. This isn't going to change anyone. No. Like, everyone knows about how society works. It's not some big secret that you need to, like, tell people that, oh, by the way, rich people have more power. Oh my god, it's almost like you blown. can use. You can. It's almost like you can use money to buy things, including like, lawyers. Making it oh, people aware of it is pointless. Pe- people are okay. Maybe. Making people aware that it's a problem is pointless because everyone who is going to be marginalizing people is already aware that they're marginalizing people. Yes. If you want, you shouldn't be telling people like this is what to look out for. You should be telling people. No, this is how you should act in order to make them feel the other person feel comfortable. Or if you don't like making a person feel comfortable, then why don't you like making them feel comfortable? Do you have some kind of something against them, something from I don't know your childhood, so that you associate this kind of person with a bad thing, and that's why you act badly towards that person? Blue, blue. I think you're going about this all the wrong way. Like clearly, (laughs) we can solve murder by telling people not to murder. Yeah. you know, we can stop theft by telling people not to steal and just letting them know that there's somebody else owns that thing and they'll be sad when it's gone. That's what right. this is. It's like, we're going to solve racism by telling people that there are other races out there. We're going to solve sexual discrimination by telling people that there are other sexes out there. And maybe it's just like the business's way. They're being like told by the government, okay, we have to have these inclusivity training days, yeah. so we'll make up this thing that basically doesn't help anyone at all. Um, and then that'll be us saying that we've done our job and our workplace is, is stress-free. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm being perfectly pragmatic and a bit cynical, I, I think that stuff like this, this is lawsuit protection. They're trying to, like, yeah. if, the, if there is discrimination in the workplace, they can go like, look, no, no, we paid this big company to give us yeah. training we've on it. We've done the training. Um, and it, yeah, and... But I, I'd argue that it, it more than it does nothing. I think this is actively harmful. Like I think that this is, I think we are going to be dealing with the societal ramifications of stuff like this, for quite a while into the future. Because you, it's either going to go one or two ways. People are going to buy into this, and they're going to become hyper aware of all of these different things amongst people, and they're going to discriminate more. Or there's going to be a massive blowback because people are so pissed off at this stuff that they're going to, just just for for the memes, for lack of a better word, um, say some really fucked up shit. Yeah. And those those people in those groups that maybe don't feel like they're they're quite in with the rest of society, they're going to feel worse because of that. It's just, yeah. I can't think of a, a single way that something like this would be a good thing. It really wouldn't. I mean, fuck, I'd be jumping for joy if this came up, because it would mean that I'd have to I'd get an hour of paid work for sitting on my ass and learning nothing, I guess. But it's yeah. just, it's a waste of time. That's all it is. I'm yeah. sorry, it's, it's, sorry. If I, if I was an hourly employee, I'd love this, but I'm not. I'm salaried, so sorry. this is just a waste of my time, and I still have to get my work done. Anyway, go, sorry, finish your thought. 
it's like something that happened recently, and it's not fully similar, so I'm just drawing a similarity, where um, Asmongold was calling people out on Twitter for... Um, I can't remember the exact words that they used. It was two mer words merged together, and it was basically people... He was having a go at people who were like, I'm going to say about something on Twitter, we're going we're gonna to have a big get-together, and we're just going to say something. Um, slacktivism. Sla a, oh yeah, so slacktivism, yeah. I've this heard is, that this term, is yeah. what that is. It's not making a difference at all. It's just yeah. saying, I support this. It's like, oh, this concept. spreading awareness. Yeah, and, I, and he got a whole bunch of fucking hate for that. Because he is all about... He, he supported the ideals of that group. And, like, not, not the group. Of the idea that, like, making the world better. Yes. Yeah. That's brilliant. Actually do it, rather than talking about it, and not making any actual effect on it. The thing is, like, this so is the same thing. I, and I, this is, I guess, is, and it, right. The people who are the loudest in these causes, I think, tend to be the people who do the least for them. Like, there's, there's yeah. plenty of charities and things that I actually really like and do like to support. I, I, I donate decent amounts of money to them. I don't talk about it. Like, I don't go out and like, oh, I just gave $500 to this charity. Look at me how noble I am. Right. It, it's just... It's like, no. I just... You... If you really want to do good things in the world and you're sincere about it, you go out and you do those good things. You don't whine and shout and post about it online. Yeah. Oh, and sorry. I think the same thing came about when... Um... And okay, so when Black Lives Matter blew up, right? Yeah, we're really into YouTube's bad books right now. Yeah, right. This the second uh, time it blew up, by the way, because the first time was back in 2016, and then it flopped. When they had there was like mass outrage on Twitter because companies were um, doing the whole uh, the black square thing, where they're like, "We're in support," and then a lot of people came back at them and said, "Okay." You are support. You say you're supporting them. How much have you donated? And I think that was wrong for for people to have a go at a company for essentially just saying we're on board with the idea. Yeah. But at the same time, that is slacktivism on a company's. What's well, like every side um, of doing things. Every time Pride Month rolls around, all these companies throw the rainbow flag up on their their banner. Everywhere. Yeah, except, put on products. Everywhere except. Saudi Arabia, the rest of the Middle East, and Russia and China—they don't do it there because they don't like it there. So it's like if if they really cared about these causes and wanted to make a statement, if that that was their their point, they 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 show support for these groups where they're already heavily supported. But the places where they're not supported and it might hurt their bottom line, they don't do shit. Yeah, because you know if you put a fucking gay pride flag on a product. When during Gay Pride Month, it's gonna have more people because they're like, "Oh, it's supporting gay people." Yeah, I'm, I'm going buy to buy this because some of my money is supposedly going towards some like charity or something. Um, no, oh, there's a there's a term for this. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of theft, really. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> cultural capitalism, cultural capitalism. Right. That was the term, and it was it was um, put the the idea was put forth by and I can't remember the guy's name. He has this really, it's an Eastern European name, and I could barely pronounce it. But um, he he coined the term. I don't 
agree with most of what this guy said, but he made a very good point. It's this idea like when you go to like a, a shop and you're like, oh, if I if I buy this I buy this coffee, it costs like two dollars more than a normal coffee, but every you know they they donate equal to their profits to yeah, it's some a bit for charity whatever random thing. It's your you're being just a consumer, but because but through your consumerism, you're buying yourself out of feeling guilty for being just a consumer. It it, it yeah. makes you feel good without actually doing anything. Yeah, like paying for a I don't know a tree or something where it, the product you're buying costs more than the amount that you're going to help the trees, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, it's just um, it, it's it's. Slacktivism, this sort of like feel-good activism um, that takes like zero effort. It's just yeah. so insincere. I have I I used to be a little bit more sympathetic to it and a little bit more like, oh, I understand that. But now, no, I'm I'm old and jaded and in my early thirties. <laughs> I'm I'm like, no, I'm sorry. This is fucking idiot, stupid. But I, yeah, this is kind of what I'm seeing this chart as. Yeah, um, it's it's a it's a vac. <laughs> A vacuous, vapid, corporate, just check the box, now we can't be yeah. sued, go out there, you know. And it's... Oh God. I've said all I want to say on it. Anything more, I'm just going to be ranting and angrily making No, noises. I think we've come to a good conclusion as well with yeah. this. Um, we've really gone off on it. This was probably more of a, a good segment one thing, but we got to it on segment three, so... That's yeah, funny. I mean, we weren't we, we weren't very enthusiastic about any of the other segment three options, and I think we were a lot more passionate about this than any of those. So, yeah. Um, hopefully, you enjoyed our angry rants. Yeah, and hey, I'd really like to hear if anyone has any stories about their inclusivity and diversity training things or similar yeah. such scenarios, because there could be some funny fucking stories about this shit. Please find some way of messaging us, like comment on you on our YouTube video with your stories would love to talk about it yeah all right this is going to be the end of episode 59 of the tmcj podcast thank you all for listening and you will hear us again next week uh be inclusive <laughs>